This is uh, Joe Langworthy here with Thomas Wolfel, my co-host for episode two of season two of Tailgate Talk, a Sixcom Sports podcast. Um, just want to say thank you again to Connor Stewart for uh, talking with us about the Chiefs and about his uh, gambling exploits, and um, you know, teaching us a little bit about the uh, the world of sports gambling. I thought that was a great interview. Um, definitely going to have to have him back on. Uh, maybe some March Madness here in a few weeks uh, since we can, you know, in Mizzou, Mizzou country, we can all watch March Madness with uh, no real rooting interest because we're not going to be in it. So, um, yeah. How's everything going, Thomas? It's going well here. It's moving right along. Yeah. You got, yep. I think uh, for the first time in a while, Columbia has better weather than Charleston. So, yeah, it seems like it's warmer there than it is here, which uh, that's not what I signed up for. I, I <laughs> it's, it's it's not as fun living here if you don't get to brag about the weather, you know. Right. Right. But yeah, so um, I think the thought for today, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about um, the upcoming NFL draft and some of the kind of Mizzou storylines along with that. Um, that's kind of what we hinted at last week. Uh, we'll talk about. I don't know if you heard, but the athletic director left, um, Desiree Reed-Francois, um, did leave on Monday um, while <laughs> basically right before I recorded my interview with Connor. Um, Thomas and I had already recorded the night before, uh, so we weren't really able to talk right away about that, but we'll talk about that a little bit. Um, and then, you know, we'll leave a few minutes for basketball talk, but we don't really want to spend a whole lot on that. We don't want to cry on, on, on a podcast. So uh, <laughs> we're not going to talk too long. Yeah, our goal here is not to send people into a depression. <laughs> right. So yeah, NFL draft coming up. Mizzou, um, you know, I think there's, I don't know, seven or eight guys that have a shot at getting drafted um, in this next draft, which is the biggest group I can remember that had, you know, legitimate hopes of, of getting drafted. I don't think all of them will, but, um, you know, I think all of them have a shot, you know, all of them have at least a shot at being a, a day three, you know, six or seven round guy. Um, what do you, what do you think about this class? Well, I mean, I think for Mizzou, it just speaks to the talent that Drinkwitz has brought in. Um, not only kind of the top end talent that we'll talk about here in the first round, but I mean, um, we had depth, throughout specifically the defense. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, I think going into the year, I, I remember us talking a number of times about, uh, you know, how maybe we don't have, you know, the, the top, top, top end talent on de on defense mm -hmm. or really offense either beyond Luther Burden. Um, mm -hmm. But we, we were really excited about the depth on the team. And uh, I think kind of what really pushed us to a 10-win season is that we ended up having a couple guys that, that are – you know, high-end NFL talent um, right. that that maybe we didn't even know. I mean, we knew obviously they were on the team, but we didn't know that they were going to be as good as they they became. So, um, it's good news for Mizzou that we're going to be all over the television for three days during the NFL draft. But uh, you also have to find a way to replace the guys that left because, um, you know, obviously we're losing a lot of talent too. So, uh, right, yeah. So. Um... I mean, I think the arguably the biggest hole in the defense is um, a guy that I think all of us liked coming into the season. I don't think anybody, you know, I don't think anybody was like, no, Darius Robinson sucks. But I don't think anybody was really expecting the rise that he's had. So um, we have a clip here from a recent um, ESPN, I think it was an ESPN show. Is it an ESPN podcast or a show? Yeah, they do. Uh, they with, do a. I think they record themselves on a show. Uh, first take, just to give them their due, and it's uh, Mel Kiper and uh, Field Yates. And Field Yates, and they do. Yeah. Uh, they basically do a uh, a draft podcast. So that's where this okay. is coming from. Yeah. So this is a, a clip talking about Darius Robinson. Not to spoil the fun, but spoiler alert. Hey, I think the other player in the top, the bottom half around one is Robinson from Missouri. Yeah. Because he is red hot right now. Red He's hot. got the great arm length, right? That everybody loves, right? Huge hands. 
Yeah. Huge. All the Powerful. physical at versatility. He was popping. He's they're moving him around. Defensive line coaches are going to say, I always say to the assistant coaches field, D line coaches I mentioned Edger and Cooper for a linebacker coach guys in the secondary with length. Oh, O line. Give me a smart tough. I, I look at assistant and say, give me that. Who's a give me that guy guy. Okay. Right. Who's that Darius Robinson is a give me that guy guy. Okay. And I think he's going to be a player that maybe screams up into the middle of the first. Maybe. Yep. And we've seen this in past years. And it could be a Kuiper stunt field. All right. This may be a Kuiper stunt. Okay. Top 10 for Robinson. Mel, Shocking first I round. I don't pick. think you're crazy. Yeah. Mel, I thought shocker? about him. No, we've I seen like it that. before. We've seen I, it before. I thought about I, him at 13, I, Mel. Okay. With I the mean, Raiders, because they need a oh. defensive tackle, defensive lineman, right? He's he's a defense, he's a defensive yeah. end now, but he was a defensive tackle for three seasons, four seasons yeah. at Missouri. So yeah. it's I, possible. I got uh, mock, I, I got my mock 2.0 coming out the end of the month. I believe like the 28th. Yeah. Okay, I think it is. Yeah, that's right. Uh, 28th. 28th. <laughs> they'll be higher than 29th, but you're telling me. There'll be, there'll be a few stunts in that Mach 2.0, believe me, Phil. You know what, Mel? you got to cover some ground here. Uh, you'll be, I you'll, love be, you'll, be have, you'll have some interesting comments when you see 2.0, but uh, I'm, there you go. Now, now come to players that, players that you left out. Well, so there you go. Um, you know, talking about him rising up into the first round. Um, Kuiper, you know, kind of says there, he sees him continuing to rise up into the uh, top half of the first round and then says, I don't know, maybe even top 10. So um, just a crazy rise for him. Um, you know, I don't think anybody really expected that prior to the senior bowl. Um, I think his senior bowl practices kind of vaulted him into that, that conversation. Um, but I do, I do think that, you know, his versatility that he showed this year um, like Field said there in that clip, you know, he played D tackle for four years at Mizzou and then slid out to um, D end this past year and just showed a lot of versatility in doing that and, you know, was, was effective wherever he was put online, which, you know, a lot of NFL teams that run some varied, varied systems like, a have, like having versatility there. Yeah, it's kind of funny to me, you know, the NFL draft process works. I mean, obviously we've watched Mizzou and he's lived in the backfield. Mm -hmm. Basically the last two years he's lived in the backfield and, you know, he doesn't get much fanfare. He wasn't really on the radar. And then all of a sudden he goes to the senior bowl and does at the senior bowl exactly what he did the last two years at Mizzou. And now all of a sudden they're talking about him being a top 10 pick. So, um, just kind of funny how the how, how under the radar he was from a from a draft perspective, and then all of a sudden uh, he shows up at the at the not the combine, but the you know the senior bowl, and um, starts catching eyes of people who I guess maybe just didn't spend the time to watch Mizzou film. But um, right. you know, I mean, like we could talk about it here. We've got he's potentially a top ten pick. They said top half of the draft. I know. Rake Straw is projected to go in the back half of the first round. Um, mm -hmm. You know, what's your concern level in our, you know, ability for 2024 to replace two uh, first round talents? I mean, that's something that I don't know Mizzou's ever had in the same draft. And now right. we're tasked with, uh, or the, the coaching staff is going to be tasked with replacing um, two top 30 players, you know, in the country um, on the same side of the ball in the same offseason. Yeah. Yeah, Mizzou, I don't – I was trying to think Alden Smith and Blaine Gabbert might have been drafted the same year, if I'm remembering correctly, but obviously not the same side of the ball. So um, right. definitely the first time that I can remember us having two first-round picks um, from the same side. Um, yeah, uh, you know, replacing Darius Robinson is going to be a big deal. Um, obviously, I'm not downplaying that at all. Um but, you know, uh, returning what we do on the defensive line is going to help. Um, you know, I do – I like Johnny Walker. Um, has Niles Gaddy declared? I think he's back. I think he's back too. So, you know, that helps. Um, getting McClellan from Florida. Um, I feel like Christian Williams else. is back too on the interior. Christian Williams is back. Um, that's a big – that was a big – 
I feel like we got somebody else. Let me let me look that up. I need to. We got somebody from uh, Georgia as well, who's kind of a hybrid outside linebacker. Yes. Yes. Um, And um, there was. I thought we had another D D lineman um, that committed, but maybe I'm making that up. Um, Rivals does not make it exactly easy to find the yeah. transfers well i mean i know um, we've got um you know an nfl body at least just from a size perspective and marquis Graciel who's returning i know he didn't have a whole lot of production this year but that was a stacked defensive tackle room so you didn't see the oh yeah team. um zion young from michigan state um, oh that's right he's another DN. Also. um yeah. and then we got that kid from new mexico state i think he's actually a local local guy coming back i don't i mean he's not going to be probably an instant impact guy but you know we got depth um so we replaced that hole with depth um that you know you hope just somebody works out and yeah they're probably not going to be first round talent um but you know you don't necessarily have to replace him with first round talent you just have to replace him with production and you know i think i like so much of what we return that even though I think he's the best, he was the best player on our defense. I think he's, I think the the defense is better set up to replace him next year, um, maybe than even Rakestraw. Um, I you know I'm not, I'm not panicking on either one of them. Um, I think because we're losing Rakestraw and KAD from mm-hmm. the cornerback position, it becomes much harder because you have to replace the two starters, uh, you know, not just yeah. one. Um, and so, um, you know, that's tough. But, you know, I liked what I saw out of Marcus Clark. I liked what I saw out of Dre Norwood. Um, you know, Toriano Pride coming over from Clemson, mm-hmm. making his return to the state. Um, that, that'll help. Um, I think that's the only transfer we got. Um, but, you know, looking to, to replace him with, with what we already have, yeah, there'll be a drop off. I'm sure there will be. Um, but that you know, yeah, it, yeah I'm with you on that. It's one of those where I, I liked what I saw out of some of those guys, and so I'm not I'm not pressing the panic button necessarily. Right. You know, I, yeah. I might be a little worried, but I'm not pressing the panic button. Yeah, I think too. The thing to think about is, you know, it was a negative at the time, but we did have quite a few kind of nagging injuries on the defense, mm-hmm. and uh, that's going to end up being helpful for us in 2024 because it got guys that are returning experience and and, Mm -hmm. i mean obviously they looked very good i mean hopper missed time at linebacker and um is it i forget hicks and hicks and tristan newson and tristan newson both looked very good at at the linebacker position when they had to play so they got a little taste of the action And, and by the end of the year i mean that arkansas game they were very good um like you said i think it might the, the, the corner position might be a little bit more concerning than the defensive line, just because you're, like you said, you're losing both your starters and they're both NFL guys. One's in a first round pick. The other guy's going to probably be um, late day two, early day three. Um, but even there, uh, you know, we played the whole Ohio state game without, um, without any, any straight straw and we did just fine. Right. So, um, you know, Clark played well whenever he was called upon. I know he had a couple of interceptions, and um, so I think I think they're they're set up to handle it. But um, you know, anytime you you see a dude walk across the stage in the first round, I think you got to assume that there's going to be at least some sort of drop off at that position. You just hope yeah. that um, you know the couple guys that we that we bring back. Uh, continue to improve to like you said replace that production maybe not replace well it's a little talent but if you replace the production that's really all that matters it's you know kind of with both position groups with d-line and d-backs you know maybe it's one of those things where we go from being a a corner centric defensive backfield to being a safety centric defensive backfield you know um our our defensive schemes run off of the fact that we have Dalen Carnell back there. Um, you know, he's, I think he's going to be one of the best defenders in the SEC this next year. 
I, I've really liked what I've seen out of him. And, you know, just his continued growth has been awesome. Um, you know, I, I tweeted it a couple of days ago from the six column sports account um, with talking about NCAA football, the, the college football game coming out. You know, I think he's going to be a guy that's going to be rated in the 90s, you know, probably low 90s. But he's the kind of guy that um, I really like. I think he's going to be our best defender this next year. I think um, defensive line, kind of the same thing. Our strength maybe goes from being DNs with Johnny Walker and Darius Robinson. Maybe it does go to being the D tackles with Christian Williams and, and McClellan from Florida. Or maybe Niles Gaddy and, and Johnny Walker both step up and, you know, we continue to have really good pressure from our DNs. But, you know, maybe it's just one of those things where the defense doesn't look exactly the same um, because we don't have the, the shutdown corners and the, you know, um, All-American type uh the end but i think there's talent other places that can as long as the scheme is right you know as long as uh and now i'm forgetting our our new d coordinator's name but as long as he gets everybody in the right uh right yeah. spot uh you know yeah and i know you said last week that he he didn't necessarily blitz a ton he, he tries to get you mm-hmm. know pressure just off the four defensive linemen but if you're having four issues two, with that way. you can always you can always bring in you can always bring an extra body because uh, yeah. obviously uh, we did that a lot this past year. We did a lot of blitzing, and it wasn't necessarily ha- you know real, real, real heavy blitz packages in terms of bringing you know we weren't yeah, bringing we seven dudes, throwing but we eight were, guys in there, yeah, right. But we were throwing we'd bring five or um, and it was just kind of a question as to who the who the person was going to be, and it created I think confusion for opposing offensive lines. So you can always generate uh, pressure in different ways so long as um, you know, you've got the defensive backfield to to cover guys long enough to uh, right. get to the quarterback. Right. Yeah, and then um, so we kind of talked about well, we talked about Rakestraw, we talked about Robinson, um, touched on KD a little bit. You know, I have seen things about him going fourth round. Um, you know, I hope I hope he can keep rising up the draft boards. I think, you know, there was talk of him being a little bit of a higher rated prospect early on. And he's kind of I'm not going to say fallen off, but he's, you know, not getting as much hype as he was previously. Um, then from the defensive side of the ball, I think Jalen Carlisle is the other guy that um, has a shot at getting drafted. Um, I don't know where I haven't seen a whole lot on him. So I'm, not expecting him to be a day two guy. I'm sure if he gets drafted, it'll be day three. Um, and then offensive side of the ball, you know, less less hype, but um, maybe just as if not more important, you know, our left tackle, Juwan mm-hmm. Foster. Um, you know, I think I think he's other than Rake Straw and KD and Robinson. I think Foster's the guy that has the you know closest thing to a lock at being drafted. Um, yeah, he'll get I an opportunity somewhere. Yeah, he'll get, and, and it'll be, I'm sure he'll get drafted, you know, by the fourth or fifth round at least um, because, you know, he's an SEC offensive tackle that, you know, played really well against SEC competition. So some team will give him, at least give him a oh, flyer, yeah. even if he doesn't test well, even if he doesn't grade out well on things. But um I haven't seen, like I said, I haven't seen a whole lot of hype about him necessarily, but, um, you know, it's also an offensive lineman. So there's just not really any, they're the hardest position to grade for, especially for amateurs. So you're not seeing the Twitter guys going nuts about offensive linemen. Um, But, you know, I think that's a big hole on the offense. Um, Luckily, I think we filled that pretty, pretty well. Um, You know, we went and tampered and, and got Caden Green from Oklahoma. Um, you know, I think he's going to be I – th- I think he's just going to, from what I can tell, plug in right there at left tackle. But, yeah. you know, there's always a chance that he plays guard and it kicks somebody else out like Membu out yeah. to left tackle or um, – Yeah, I think they'll play – I think they'll play him at uh, Membu at right tackle. But, yeah, I mean – that's the that's a that's a situation where we lose the left tackle to the NFL, like you said, probably a mid to late round pick, and we replace them with a guy that in a year or two could be a first round pick. So um, right. now, obviously, he's got to got to show up and and play. Got to 
play well, but just from a talent, just a, an NFL size perspective, uh, you know, Green coming from Oklahoma, obviously, I, I think he was came down to Mizzou in Oklahoma when he chose Oklahoma and um, mm-hmm. obviously decided to transfer transfer Missouri after his freshman year, but that he's going to have NFL size and NFL talent. So um, it, it's probably a more difficult position to fill than a defensive line spot, but uh, you're doing it with, with someone that was extremely highly regarded at a high school who played, I think seven, had seven starts at left guard at Oklahoma as a, as a true freshman. That's something that uh, very rarely happens. Um, so hopefully – hopefully he can show up and maybe even be an, an upgrade at that left tackle position. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not sure he'll be an upgrade next year, but I think it's the kind of maybe by the end of the year, ba- maybe by the end of the year, maybe right. going into the next year, um, he can be an upgrade because he's just that level of talent. And so, um, yeah, offensively, other than him, um, other than Foster, I don't really see Delgado getting drafted. I could see him getting, uh, you know, training camp invite um, and given a shot to go prove himself. But just because he's an SEC offensive lineman that has a lot of starts, um, but he's not really going to excite anybody in the draft room. So I don't expect them to, to draft him. Um, Cody Schrader, great story. Obviously we're all rooting for the kid. Um, you know, really cool what he's been able to do. I don't know. No, he's not. He doesn't have the NFL speed to be drafted. I don't think he doesn't have. He doesn't have the top end speed. No, he'll get he'll get asked to go be on a roster somewhere, and he'll be a bowling ball in the fourth fourth quarter of a preseason game. And if he's going to stick, it's going to be because he finds a way to do something on special teams. I think, Um, which I could see him being the kind of kid that would be able to do that. So you know, I think that's his shot at a roster, and hopefully he realizes that and is is willing and able to do that work. Um, but I don't see him getting drafted. Um, Mevis, <laughs> I don't know. Well, I mean, yeah, kickers kicker. don't get drafted very often. Kickers don't get anyway. drafted. Um, and so it'll just kind of be whether he gets – hopefully he's, you know, doing his homework and figuring out what team he might have a shot at, at getting on. And because, uh, you know, it's a – kicker's probably the hardest job to – Kicker and punter are probably the hardest jobs to get in the NFL, um, just because there's only 32 of them. Uh, yeah. You know they don't and keep any position, extras, and and that's a position too where if you if a coach has someone that is even just average and he doesn't have to worry about the position, then he's not going to replace the guy that's that's at that spot. I mean, he's, people don't the coaches aren't going to bet their jobs on a on a new kicker, kicker if they. Yeah if they feel like they've got someone that is at least halfway dependable. So it's really difficult to get on a roster for that, for that yeah. position. That's for sure. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, replacing those guys. Um, I mean, I think Delgado, we're going to replace him internally. Um, like I said, there, there's probably going to be some shuffling on the line. I could see Membo taking the left guard spot. I could also see him kicking out to right tackle. Like you said, um, I can see Caden green, playing left tackle, that's my guess. But I could also see him playing left guard if there's, you know, but I don't know who would play left tackle at that point. No, um, I think Reichert's going to be your left guard. If I had to guess, I'd say Reichert, left guard, green, left tackle, Mimbo, right tackle. And then right guard could be Cameron Johnson. Um, and then obviously center, I think, is going to be uh, Tallison will be back. So, yeah. Um, that's and so I think that's a, that's a solid offensive line, um, and you know, blocking for this Marcus Carroll kid from Georgia State. Um, I could see him. He he reminds his film reminds me a lot of Schrader's. He's just faster, um, but he he he's kind of that bowling ball, um, hard to tackle, pretty good balance. Um, and so hopefully he plugs right in and yeah. is just the same as, as Cody. Um, and then Nate Noel from Appalachian State is the other. You could, have an inter- that- you could have an internal uh, option show up at right. that position too, I think. I don't right. think those two guys that we brought in are um, – I don't think they're penciled in necessarily. They're, yeah, they might be penciled in, but definitely not with ink. 
Right. Yeah. They're not. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, they might be penciled in and, but it's erasable and, and Tavares Jones or, um, Robert, Robert yeah, Jamal Smith. Roberts, um, mm-hmm. have a shot, you know? And so we'll see. Um, I think, obviously I don't think you're going to get the same production out of your running backs, but I don't think you necessarily have to, um, this next year because, we have probably the best wide receiver room in the country um, and a really, really good freshman tight end. That's going to be a sophomore um, and pretty darn good quarterback. So should be able to get yeah. production through the, through the air and not really necessarily need 1600 yeah. but, yards from yeah. your running back. Just got to remember though, the drink is, I mean, ever since he's gotten to Mizzou, it, they just kind of show up out of nowhere, but he's always had running backs that produce. Right. So, um, right. You know, I don't know who it's going to be. It might end up being a couple guys, um, but I think we'll get enough production there to, to win football games. So that's right. all that matters. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then kicker, we're the same way as NFL guys. We have no idea. We, right. you know, it'll be, it'll probably be Blake Craig, who is the freshman from last year, um, who was a really highly, highly rated kicker coming in. That's probably who it'll be. We we have a punter transfer that came in, so I assume that's who. I don't know what happened to Luke Bauer. I think it's a big mystery. Um, he was the hero of the Kentucky game and then just kind of disappeared. Um, we went back to, was it Riley? Yeah. The, the Australian punter from Towson. Um I guess we're moving on from Luke Bauer, even though he was, I don't know, he seemed fine. Um, but, again, yeah. special teams is such a weird. Yeah, and you don't know what goes on behind behind the, you know, the doors of the practice facility. Um, exactly. But, again, he brings in, brought in a, a punter from a school that he's shown that he can do it. Was it Murray State where, he, yep. where the, the guy was previously and he's shown that he can yep. do it? And so, okay. Got a heck of a mullet. He's got a heck of a mullet. He's on. He's on the all mullet team, that's for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a position we'll be fine at. So yeah, I'm not. We'll I'm not worried about season to, teams. They'll figure to it break, out. Have all off season to break down the roster, but it's going to be fun. I think seeing our guys at the combine this week and um, yeah, it's going to be basically an advertisement for Mizzou. I think over the next couple of months, when as as kind of our top guys get mentioned by all these uh, draft experts that. Yep, you know, seem to really like them, and it'll be good clips of them beating Ohio State and beating Tennessee and beating Florida, and um, yep. it'll it'll be great. It'll be it'll be a lot different than watching NFL draft coverage and kind of flinching every time Mizzou Mizzou is shown as an Alabama receiver runs past <laughs> us or a Georgia receiver yep. runs past us or you know. Our, it's just our guy getting leveled by a <laughs> LSU linebacker. Um, but yeah, so uh, like Thomas said, we will we'll be talking a lot about the roster um, going forward. Um, but just wanted to kind of touch on that briefly as the combine's coming up and draft is, you know, don't, it's a month or two away still, but that'll be here before we know it. So um, it's going to be fun to uh to see all those guys um represent the black and gold um segue into that somebody that's not going to be representing the black and gold anymore is uh desiree reed francois um probably best known for being the mother of um walk-on uh power forward jackson francois um for the mizzou basketball team but yeah so drf is out as ad um she took uh, took a job at Arizona, um, home of a $170 million deficit, um, and is going to run their athletic department. So what, do you, what are your thoughts on that, Thomas? Well, I mean, she – it's definitely not a step up. Um, <laughs> you're going from an SEC school to, I guess, Arizona is going to be in the Big 12, so – um, you're a step, it's a step in the wrong direction in that regard. Uh, the athletic department, um, 
you know, doesn't bring in the other revenue that Mizzou's does. So, uh, you know, I think it says, it probably says more about kind of the state of Mizzou's athletic department more, more so than anything else. Um, so I don't know for sure. It's really interesting. I think we're going to be hiring our, uh, this will be our fourth athletic director since Mike Alden retired back in 2015. So you're, you're at four ADs in 10 years. That's not a positive. Um, but, you know, I don't know that it, it has a direct impact immediately on, you know, the, the, the football team or the basketball team, but it's just a, it's a hire that the, the university is going to have to get right. Um, because as we've seen, you know, when we were there, we met Mac Rhodes and, um, he, he, uh, he really did not do the athletic department any favors in the year that he was there. Um, so it can get ugly quick. Uh, so my hope is just that, um, they can find someone to take her place that kind of continues, uh, moving things in the right direction. I think I saw, um, from the year she showed up the fiscal year, uh, I guess that'd be 2022 or I guess she at the end of 2021, but, uh, basically in her two years, she increased Mizzou's athletics revenue by 30%. And that's not even including the, the current fiscal year they're in you know, would include all of the success they had with football. So um, mm-hmm. she had obviously done a good job raising money, um, getting folks to come to games, even though we were still six and six, you know, we were in a six and six SEC football team. Um, obviously, I think she played a big part in filling the basketball arena because we were putting butts in seats before we even knew they were good last year. Um, so um, I think that's just going to be the thing to keep an eye on is, uh, can the new athletic director keep the revenue numbers headed in the right direction um, so we can continue to to give resources to the football and basketball team in, in the way that they need to be successful? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head that um, somebody asked me this week, like what I thought about her leaving. And I was like, you know, I think she's she was a good AD. So it's kind of it's a bummer to see her leave. But I think whether or not this is a bad thing is going to be determined by who they hire. And we yeah. don't have any idea. Like, because they could hire somebody great and nobody's going to miss a beat. You know, in all reality, you shouldn't really care about who the AD is. There, It's a job that, you know, it shouldn't, it shouldn't matter who the AD is for an athletic department. Like, Nobody's really giving money to an athletic department because the AD is there. I mean, they, they, the AD needs to be a good fundraiser, but they, they should be giving the money to Mizzou. You know, they're, they're, you know, DRF wasn't going out and getting, you know, Elon Musk to donate to Mizzou. She was going out and getting donors that were already there and already probably willing to donate if somebody asked in the right way. She was just a good saleswoman and knew how to ask. She's mm-hmm. not the only person that's willing and able to to make those asks. So as long as they hire somebody good, the money should keep coming in. You know, the, the pipeline that she started flowing, um, you know, probably better than anybody since Alden, at least, um, you know, should still be there. And we should be able to just keep keep the momentum rolling. What I'm what I'm fearful of is that we hire a Mac Rhodes that torpedoes yeah. everything in a year yeah i don't yeah. think that's what's going to happen i i think moon Choi knows what he's doing um you know he's made a lot of really good decisions for mizzou he's controversial so i'm sorry if that offends somebody that i said that he was good but you know he's doing a lot of really cool stuff for mizzou um and so i think he knows what he's doing um i think he'll give a good hire to the board um i think the board of curators is kind of a boogeyman word right now um i think people are upset with the board of curators um i think a lot of people have you know i don't want to act like i'm smarter than everybody else but i feel like a lot of people have a very flawed understanding of what the board of curators is um and who they are um i think that um you know i do think that this hire is going to be moon choice to make for the most part um and so, and yeah. I, I like Moon Choi and I think he'll make a good decision. Yeah, I, I know the board, I think, and it's been actually, it's been widely reported at this point from, um, 
you know, still today, and uh, there's been a number of other podcasts I think that have even mentioned it. But I think that the the board creating this committee um, to oversee athletics is probably what ran off Desiree, Harid Francois, DRF. Um, and I think I think it's it's probably in terms of you know how easy it is for us to attract a good athletic director. A lot of that's going to be dependent on um, how wide ranging the the powers are of that committee because you know like i said this off cameras athletic directors have egos just like anyone else and if you're mm-hmm. going to get a good athletic director they're going to have a little bit of an ego and they're not going to want to feel like there's a board of curators sitting there trying to tell them how to do their job um right and, and, and i'll i'll, I'll kind of push back on that a little bit um you had said this off camera and i decided i was going to wait to push back until we're on camera um just to see how you reacted but, uh, you know, one of the things I've heard is that the, the relationships on the board of curators between several of the board and DRF had deteriorated long before. And so the, the committee, yes, was the, the catalyst to, to get her to leave, but that was very much like kind of on purpose. Um, you know, the, there was a, a particular board member that wanted her out. Um, and like you said, it, it was egos clashing from what I've heard, you know, and that's, that's just bound to happen. Um, but I do think that I, the pushback, I guess, is um, that I don't think that it's really going to be a factor going forward, um, the, the committee, um, because I think um, they used it as a way to push her out, but now it'll be what every other I mean, Arizona has the same thing. Like Arizona has a committee from their board of regents that oversees athletics. I don't think it's going to be a a stumbling block to hire someone. Is I guess what I my pushback. Um, I think it was a political move that was used to push her out, and now it'll be a you know it'll be what it actually is. You know, and you might be right, but like I said, we're going on our we're going to have now a fifth athletic director if you include Mike Alden in the last ten years. So sure. if you're going through one every two years, then that tells you that maybe it's not just the one athletic director you just had. Maybe there's a pattern that's now developed over time. And it's just kind of like, you know, um, if you have a really good football coach, like if you've got Coach Drinkwitz and he's your guy um, and he's winning football games, then it's is it smart to intentionally push him out because one of the board members doesn't like the coach? No, you just let the coach be the coach and win football mm-hmm. games and you don't run them off. Um, right. You know, I just think the athletic director is a position of importance in specific moments. If you think about Mike Alden, um, he had to get the football coach right, which he did. And then he also got Mizzou into the SEC and we had the right guy at the right time. Um, you know, doing the work for that. And then you had Mac Rhodes who showed up, had to deal with the hunger strike, did extremely poorly with that, and immediately tanked the finances of the athletic department in 12 months. So mm-hmm. you can you can go either direction. And, um, you know, I just don't think you, you've got DRF who, when she was first hired, I know how she treated employees. And I was not, I was not a huge fan of her to be, you know, from the start. And you know that. Mm-hmm. But she has absolutely juiced our revenue numbers. And with NIL the way it is and the amount of funding it takes to be competitive at the SEC level for football and, and basketball too, you're taking someone who you know can raise the money and you know can create fan experience in a way that, that gets people to show up to games and you're saying, hey, we don't need you anymore because we think we can find someone better, but we really don't know for sure. So. It's yeah. definitely it's, it's it's a gamble. It's a risk from that perspective, and they might find somebody that's just as good. Maybe they might find somebody that's better, but you're taking someone who has already shown that she can do what it takes to give the football coach, you mm-hmm. know, resources to be successful. I I know that probably the rocky relationship started back in November of 2022 when they gave Drinkwitz a uh, an extension. Um, before he had really done anything, but I mean, it's a year and a half later and she leaves. So 
there had to have been a lot more that went on since then for her to make the decision now, because I know yeah. she had opportunities um, between then and now to leave. And she obviously opted not to, whereas uh, something I'm sure has happened in the last probably month or two to, to make her decide that she no longer wants to be at Mizzou. So it's just, uh, I think it's just a, it's a huge risk to yeah. get rid of somebody that you know can do the job and has shown that she can do it um, because egos don't get along. And so it's, it's just unfortunate. Um, you know, if, if I hired somebody who was doing a great job and even if I didn't get along with them necessarily, I'd hope that I could set my ego aside and let them continue to right. do a great job. Right. Which, yeah, I was gonna say that's, theory of management that we don't even need to get into here. And, you know. And I'm also never gonna be in that position. And that's fine too. But uh, commentary on the type of people that rise to those positions and their level of ego and we don't need to really get into that. But I think that's, you know, definitely something that's at play right right now. Um like like you've said, it's it's a clash of egos and um you know somebody that had more power than DRF had an ego just as big as hers and they clashed and it she wasn't gonna hey, win i know she was very intense i know that i mean i know she would have meetings in wild times over the weekends and she rubbed a lot of employees the wrong way too um people that are still there people that aren't there anymore um but at the end of the day the results speak for themselves and she's done from that perspective, she's done a good job. So. Yeah, there's definitely some people that I've interacted with through the athletic department that I'm hoping the next AD keeps in place. Um, you know, specifically Tony Daniel, um, who I think is fan engagement, um, fan experience AD. I don't know what his exact title is, but I think he's done a great job. Very. Did visible he come at, from UNLV? No, no. Did she um, hire him? But she hired him, yeah. Um, I don't remember where he's from. He played football at Buffalo, I think, actually. Um, but he was – I was on the fan council, the first thing, the first fan council, and he was the one running that. Um, him and then um, – her name is Nikki. She's she's the one on the podcast with Dave Matter now. Um, she's great. Um, I think she's doing a lot for fan outreach media. Yeah um social media yeah. stuff yeah um and then i think tsf i think the guys there the people there are doing great right now so mm -hmm. hopefully the next ad comes in and you know keeps a lot of those same people in place and yeah. just kind of puts their stamp on things and, and lets, that'll lets probably be engine keep running and that'll probably be a big a big kind of teller as to where things are going to go because um you know, if the new person comes in and then everyone scatters, uh, that probably tells you the type of person that you've just hired. Um, whereas right. if the new person comes in and, and can keep kind of those key players, um, then that'll probably be a reason for optimism. Yeah, exactly. So um, another great segue. Let's talk about a reason that there is no optimism when um, talk about Mizzou basketball. Uh, <laughs> so my analysis of this season we suck. <laughs> We're terrible. Uh, yeah, if you don't win a conference game, I don't know how you could describe it differently. And I can't even necessarily explain how bad we are. Because it's like, you think back to like Kim Anderson's teams. Um, that won some conference, conference game. games. That won one or two or three conference games every year. This team is better than them. Like, I, I, they are. I can't explain. We just can't seem to just ever, we can't seem to either, you know, catch somebody on an off night. It seems like every team we play is playing decently well when we play them. Um, we can't seem to catch a break, um, you know, and I'm not even going to blame the refs like, like Gates has, you know, hinted at. Which I think is I think it's fair. I'm not going to criticize Gates for that actually, because I do think that it is crazy how we are the only team in the SEC that never gets home cooking. Like, how is <laughs> it never possible? Like, court advantage we, we never get calls on our own home court, but that's that's not the main reason we're losing. Um, but you know, we just never can 
luck into anything. We're we're not getting the bounces on anything. And it's just it's kind of it's kind of insane to watch because I'm not saying that we're a, you know, 500 basketball team or we should be, but we're better than the, the Kim Anderson teams. Like Sean East yeah. would be the best player on a Kim Anderson team, on any of the yeah. Kim Anderson teams. Tamar Bates would be the best player on any Kim Anderson team. Yeah. Um, you know, Jordan Butler would be one of the best players on any Kim Anderson team. Heck, even Nick Honor would be a, you know, top three guy on any Kim Anderson team. Anthony Robinson, same thing. Like, just naming all the guys, it's like, we have the talent. Yeah. Noah Carter, I mean, as much as he is frustrating, he's Kevin Purrier, and Kevin Purrier was by far the best player on any Kim Anderson team. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. It's Well, I think part of it is just how we play. I mean, we, we go as many possessions as we possibly can, which if you're playing a more talented team, that actually, I think, decreases the likelihood of you winning. Um, but yeah, it just seems like we, okay, we come out and we shoot 52% and then the team, you know, whoever we're playing against shoots 58% and we lose by eight points. And it's just like, you would think with the talent we have, like you said, we'd show up one night and we'd shoot 55% and the other team couldn't make a bucket and we'd stumble into a victory. But right. That hasn't even happened. And it might, but it won't. Like I have no, I have no faith that we're going to win a game. Um, what's going to be funny is when we win a couple in Nashville. Um, oh yeah, just we end up in the championship game, <laughs> right? And it's just kind of like, where's this been? You know, somebody somebody gets hot, Bates gets hot, or something. And um, but yeah, I mean, it's like we beat Pittsburgh on the road, we beat Minnesota on the road. Um, yeah, we lost to Jackson State, but like again, I'm not saying we should be a 500 basketball team, but. Pittsburgh and Minnesota are teams that there are teams in the SEC worse than Pittsburgh and Minnesota is right is my point and I just it's just it blows I'm, my mind I just can I understand it. real quick can I complain yeah. real quick too yeah the, this season like so last year was like a perfect example as to why I love the transfer portal because we had a coach show up do really well in the portal put together a team that plays well together. And we went from a terrible basketball team to a team that won an NCAA basketball game for the first time in years here at Missouri. Mm -hmm. This year is the reason why I hate the portal because we're sitting here and we've got no hope for this year, obviously. And 10 years ago, we'd be sitting there saying, well, man, Jordan Butler, let's keep watching him play because he's going to continue to get better. You know, Robinson, we'd be looking at the guys that are returning next year and getting excited about watching them play, adding them with the incoming recruiting class. But now it's like, if I get excited, like that, they could hit the portal as soon as the season's over and not right. come back next year anyway. So it's like, so I'm not, I'm not putting any eggs in that basket. Right. Really it's hard yet. to get excited and sit there and say, oh man, look at how he's playing. He's really going to be good next year. It's like, yeah, but I mean, it might be for Arkansas for all we know, you know? I mean, like, <laughs> it's just my that's one. Just, my one thing that makes me somewhat optimistic about Dennis Gates and about the future of the program, and I don't believe in moral victories. I'm not saying these. this is a moral victory, but this team hasn't quit. And so quit. he obviously gets these kids to play for him. Like, he, he has them still believing that they – that playing hard is worthwhile. Yeah. And in a season when you're 0-14, you know – it might be grasping at straws, but I think that that's something worth looking at. You know, hopefully that means that, like you said, hopefully that means that they stick around. You know, if, if they like playing for him and they're still willing to play hard for him at 0-14, where's Tamar Bates? I mean, he's gonna, he wants to stick around. Um, you know, Jordan, Jordan Butler wants to stick around. Anthony Robinson wants to stick around. Yeah, you keep those three well, kids. You keep the yeah. – freshman class coming in you add a couple guys from the portal who knows that's the positive I'm not expecting and it to be a you know win the SEC next year but it, it should be more talented and better than right. this year right and 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 now going back to the discussion we just had about the AD but and I know the, the basketball coach had a lot to do with this too but we did just get a massive donation to the basketball program which I'm sure some of that will be used 
to keep players that the coach wants to keep. And then mm-hmm. you add them to the, the incoming freshman, like you said, and all of a sudden next year we've got a competitive basketball team again. But, um, gosh, it's been brutal. It's been mm-hmm. it's it's been brutal to watch. Yeah, and on Saturday I couldn't even switch over to the Blues game because they switched over to there and six nothing at the end of the first period or four nothing right. or something. It was just like I'm gonna watch a movie or something. <laughs> <laughs> it was awful. But, yeah, so that's about all we had for, for you guys. Um, any final thoughts before we sign off here, Thomas? Not really. I mean, I think we did, you know, another good podcast. Another fun right. one, at least. Yeah. Yeah. So, thanks, hey, thanks, thanks, Mark, for listening. I appreciate yeah, thanks, it. Thanks to my dad for listening. We, we always appreciate the, the one listener we get. But, uh, yeah, we'll – We'll have some, I don't even really know what we're going to do next week. So if you have suggestions, let us know. But um, we'll be back next week with another podcast. Um, maybe we'll try to line up a guest or something. Um, you know, it's, it is hard talking <laughs> Mizzou basketball more than, more than a few minutes. You know, so um, we'll, we'll come up with something. Maybe we'll talk some, some diamond sports. Um, Softball is looking good, so. But hey, Thomas and I don't know anything about softball, but we'll we'll talk about it. Hey, the Cardinals are back playing too. So finally we back. have some yeah. major league baseball. We can talk about some major league baseball. Um blues are playing decently well with except for Saturday. But uh yeah, we'll we'll come up with something to talk about and uh we'll see you guys next week. M I Z. Z O U. I'm <laughs>